good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song and through his word. Uh, please join me as we sing and lift up his name in praise. share with you. Oh, nope, here goes Pastor Cliff. Never mind. His turn. All right, guys. So we had a little technical difficulty, and we're trying to work through that as we, as we move through, okay? It's, it's, um, it's COVID year, right? And so we, we had a good Thanksgiving. We all had a full stomach, so lots to be thankful for. Thankful that we have the opportunity to do this. I had a comment from somebody who said last week the, the Lord's Supper online was cool. They participated at home, and so that was, that was uh, refreshing to know, reassuring to know that you were, even if you weren't here, you were able to do that. And perhaps somebody did that on a day other than when we did it. So that's kind of cool that we had that opportunity. So today we want to, we want to pray. We want to pray for um, this situation. We want to pray for our church. We want to pray for other churches. What we get to do this, this time of the year is, 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 is heartwarming. And I've had this discussion about 
you know, being Southern Baptist. And sometimes, honestly, you know, churches don't, and pastors don't know exactly why they're Southern Baptists. What's the, the deal? It's, we have some theological differences with some of the other denominations. Minor points here and there, major points here and there. But one of the things that we do as Southern Baptists really, really thrills me. And to know the story behind it thrills me. So back in, before 1925, that's before most of you were around, right? Okay? And, and so what happened this time of the year, the missionaries would come back when people were generous. That's what this time of the year is. That's why we're going to ring the bells. And they would go from church to church, and they would raise funds so they could go back on the mission field. Two things happened there. One is that that took the missionaries off the field when they could have been preaching about the birth of Jesus Christ and sharing about the birth of Christ, they had to be back in this country instead of where they were from, where they were ministering. And secondly, what happened was, well, honestly, the missionaries went to the larger churches. Because if you're going to ask for money, you're not going to ring bells out by my house. Okay, you know, it's just not going to, you're not going to get much traffic. All right, so so you want to go where there's more people. And so consequently, they would go to the larger churches. The larger churches would then be inundated with requests, and the smaller churches honestly didn't get to participate in missions as we know it. Because of the cooperative program, because of what we're going to do today, churches, all the churches, all 48,000 Southern Baptist churches across North America, they can participate. So when you hear the story today, know that, you have, if you gave last year, if you give this year, you're part of that. Okay, you're on the mission field. They're going to ask you to pray. We have a prayer guide. There's some out here for those here. The rest of you, you'll be able to get that online. Matter of fact, if I find my phone, it's on the Bible app. There's a link down there for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and it will take you to the prayer guide. It will also, there's another link that will take you to the videos. We're going to attempt, after we pray, to watch the video. If the sound doesn't go out online, I'm going to ask you to go home and watch it, okay? So, so that, that's just how it's going. Don't watch it in here with the sound up, all right? And so, and, and so we're going to do that. But the story is going to tell you what we're doing, what missionaries are doing, and what we together are doing as we participate in the Lighting Moon Christmas offering. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. Thank you for the missionaries that you have called. Even in this time of COVID, they, they commissioned missionaries to go around the world, Lord, to share the gospel. And Father, we pray for those that, that are on the field. Father, we pray that you would bless their work. Father, that they would see results, Lord, of you working in the lives of the people that they're ministering to, that they're sharing the gospel with. Father, we pray as we watch this video that we'd be reminded, Father, as we prepare, Lord, to to look into our, our wallet or our billfold and our checkbook next week and, and give. Father, I pray that we'd understand what we get to be part of. Father, we get to be part of your work. Father, we pray, Lord, for our church, for our mission field. Lord, help us to be missionaries here in Carlinville, to, to carry the gospel out, Father, that lives might be changed. Father, help us and other churches as we try to navigate the celebration of your birth in a season where we can't do it like we did last year. In Jesus' name, amen. See what happens.
Nani amewahi shikwa na polisi? Nani amewahi kuliona chawa? Nani amewahi lala njaa kwa street? Nani amewahi dhurumiwa kimapenzi ama anajua mtu amewahi dhurumiwa uko street? Kudhurumiwa kimapenzi. Whenever I was hanging out with the boys, people would come to me and be like, you know these boys are dangerous, you know these boys are going to hurt you, you know you shouldn't be here. And they're just despised by everyone. Only a few understand that these are just normal children who have been forced to the streets with different circumstances. They're not loved. They're actively insulted and abused and kicked. Show them love and they will respond with love. Show them a bad attitude and they will repel from you. They are just children. In 2009-2010, I was serving as a photographer with the International Mission Board. And one of my last assignments was a story on a young lady working with street kids in Nairobi, Kenya. I would spend from 4 in the morning to 10 at night with this group of 20 kids getting to know them, hearing more they were on the streets. And the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, the Lord is going to call somebody to work with these kids. Like somebody needs to come do something. So I finally just said, Lord, are you calling me to go work with those boys? And I had peace. Like I knew that that's what I was being called to do. Hopefully 13 boys will come to the shelter this morning um, and they'll be rescued off the streets. Honestly, there were so many years that I worked on the streets in Nairobi without a place to take boys. I would just get to know them and help them like in the small ways that I could. Um, and the fact that God has provided the shelter um, and given us opportunity to be rescuing kids off the streets and make a real difference in their life, it's really exciting. Like, life will not be the same for these boys. And Naivasha Children's Shelter, our mission is to rescue them from the streets, to help them to be rehabilitated, to get off drugs, to go through trauma counseling. And as much as we see that these kids need food and they need education and they need a bed to sleep in, they do, they need all of those things. But what they really need is the love of a family. They need to belong somewhere. They need to be well cared for. They need to know that they're loved. And we show them that through the love that the social workers give them here. We show them that by pointing to the love of Christ, and we show them that by putting them back in their family, where they belong, with people who love them. One of our social workers, Elphis, will spend hours looking for one kid that's lost, that he wants to be able to have a new life. Um, and it's not just Elphis. All of the social workers at the shelter are amazing. They go to the streets every day and every night, they get to know the boys, they get to hear their story, know why they came to the streets, know what happened in their family, and offer them a way out. I talk to them, I make them understand that despite everything that you're going through, there is hope and there is someone who cares. That's why I'm here. I had seen enough of orphanages, I had worked with enough organizations that I knew the best place for any child is in their family. And we don't just take them home and drop them off. What we do is we spend a lot of time going to the family and finding out what sent that child to the streets? Was it the influence of peers? Was it poverty at home? And then spend a lot of time working on that issue with the family. Every child that's placed back at home, they follow them until they reach the age of 18 or they finish school. 
just to make sure that child has no chance of going back to the streets. Everything is fine. They have enough food. They're in school. They invest their lives in these children. I'm sure that these kids, if given a chance and a place to make their lives, for sure they are going to change and make a better generation to come. I just want to sincerely say thank you. It is because of Southern Baptist that I am able to be here. The shelter is able to keep running. I'm able to serve in this way because of your gifts to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering and the Cooperative Program. And it's miraculous to see a child that was alone living on the streets and hopeless uh, reunited with their family. This is the model that works. This is what helps to get kids back home where they should be and where they want to be. God through song.
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are sealed, when striving ceased, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I say. alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied seen on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live there in the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness laid then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost his grip on me for i am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand All right, we're going to continue. Last week we started with Joel chapter 1. We're going to be in the first part of Joel chapter 2. So here in the house or, or online, if you just want to turn your Bibles or use the Bible app, or follow along on the screen. All the scripture and everything will be on the screens for you to look at. I want to talk about Joel chapter 2. 
So in Joel chapter 1, it was the plague of the locusts. It was the plague of the locusts. And, and it was four rounds of locusts. And when they were all done, there was nothing left. And, and so it was God trying to get their attention. God trying to get their attention. So how many of you have that I can handle it attitude? You know, I mean, let's be honest, okay? You kind of got that I can handle attitude. Just send it my way. I'll handle it. I will tell you that, that when my daughter was smaller and, and going to grade school, and she, she got one of those winter colds, you know, and, and, uh, and she, said, she said about me, she said, well, you're so mean, even germs don't like you, okay? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a kinda, I can handle it kind of attitude. And, and so there wasn't an amen, was there? Um, so anyway, here we are in chapter 2. And I want to talk about that I can handle attitude. Let's use a historical reference for a moment. Remember when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go? Pharaoh said no. Then we started going through the plagues. The water, the boils, the anthrax, all of that, the, the, the gnats. And, and every time, Moses would go to Pharaoh and so that my people go. And he'd think about it really hard and go, we survived. I can handle it. Until the tenth plague that took his firstborn. That's when he finally let the people go. He could have done that before, but he waited to the last one. We have this, I can handle it attitude many times. And, and what happens with that is sometimes it emblazons us to continue on in our mistakes rather than change our path, rather than change our path. Think about this, as Joel addresses the people in chapter 2, he's addressing people who have lived through the devastation of the locusts. They have watched it. They have, they have seen what the locusts have done. He said, proclaim it. Nothing like this has happened before. And they, they, they agree with him. They've never seen the devastation that the locusts brought. The gnawing, the creeping, all of those locusts brought. That's not, they're not denying that what they've seen, they've never seen before with their eyes. They've never heard a story like this. Their story is unique to this generation. You know, years from now, I, I was alive when those locusts came. I was alive when those locusts came. And I stand here today, and I can tell you about the locusts. And when you can stand on the other side of a judgment it can do one of two things. It can change you, which is what it was designed to do, or it can empower you to feel like, I can handle it. You go ahead and, you know, you can't do, give me your best shot, and I'm still standing, right? That's kind of the attitude that those who Joel was addressing could have very well had. And it's that kind of attitude that often finds us in a bad spot. When we stand on the other side, having survived 
some kind of judgment, having survived God trying to get our attention, we sometimes can respond in the wrong way. And what Joel chapter 2 gives us is this. God has fired a warning shot. God has sought to get your attention. I want you to know that that plague of locusts is nothing compared to the day of the Lord. Understand that. As I sat here and prepared in, in why we were singing, I'm thinking about this. This is a message to an audience since long gone, right? I, this message needs to transcend their time to our time. How does this intersect? How does this come into play in my life and your life today? We, we stand here today doing things differently because of COVID. We know that it, it started as a, it's a virus, right? And our response to the virus is, is a vaccine. Much like it would have been our response to the plague of locusts would have been some kind of something to kill the locust. Some kind of spray, some kind of something we would have done. We would have reacted with the pesticide. Not as God wanted. Now I don't know, hindsight, looking back someday will tell me what COVID was all about. But if God is trying to get our attention and we are not responding, I want you to understand that there is a day of the Lord coming. This message that Joe gives to these people, it may have pointed, if it's before the exile, may have pointed to either the Assyrians or the Babylonians. But it also has reference to what we await. And that's the return of Christ. So let's read the, the first part, the first 11 verses of chapter 2. Let's read along here and talk about the day of the Lord and see the description that Joel gives. Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. As the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again any after it to the years of many generations. A fire consumes before them, and, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and, they, and like war horses, so they run. With a noise as of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame, a fire consuming the stubble, like a mighty people arranged for battle. Before them, the people are in anguish. All faces turn pale. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like soldiers, and they reach. They each march in line, nor do they deviate from their path. They do, not, they do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. 
They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. Before them, the earth quakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters his voice before the army. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. And who can endure it? Who can endure it? That's the question we end with. Who can endure it? And the concept here, let me tell you, is this, that you cannot endure it, that you cannot handle it. When we look at chapter 2 of Joel, understand that some will look at this as a continuation of the, the first locust plague. What we're going with is this is a, the locust plague is a historical reference at this point, and the day of the Lord is a reference to the future, a prophecy to the future. To warn them of something. You thought the locust plague was bad. This is going to be even worse. That day of darkness and gloom. And it talks about the, the army. I, I love the, the, the imagery. You, when you think of the Garden of Eden, you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and you see before sin enters in, what's your mind of the garden? What's your image of the Garden of Eden? If, if you were an artist, what would you draw? I'm going to guess your favorite color would be green to represent the lushness of the garden and everything that grows in it. And, and as Joel gives this prophecy, he says it is like the garden of Eden before them and behind them it is more akin to Death Valley. The Bonneville salt flats. The green is gone. It's all gray and, and brown and rock and desolate. That's the description that Joel gives of what happens in the day of the Lord. That's the description that Joel gives in that. It's interesting. When you read through, I, I, I'm able to pull up on my, my Lagos stuff, and you guys probably have references in your study Bibles there. You'll see that this is referenced by Jesus in Matthew. It's referenced by John in Revelation. It's referenced in other places. So they allude to this and tell us that it is a future thing coming. It's a future event coming. So, Here's the, the question I want to ask. When it talks about this desolation, when it talks about this coming day of judgment, is there any hope? Is there any hope? When God calls a prophet, whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel, Amos or Obadiah or Joel. The message, the prophecy of judgment is all shared across the board. God doesn't delight in destruction though, does He? That God raised up those prophets, Joel included, to do what? 
to tell you what's coming so that you would do what? So that you would respond. Is there hope? Yes. I mean, that's why the prophecy was delivered. God has a hope and a desire that you would not stay in your ways that need to be judged, but rather you would turn from your wickedness, you would turn from your waywardness, you would make that correction, and you would come back on the path that God wants you to walk. I don't know, some of you, the car that Lisa has that occasionally I get to drive has this thing, and if you, if you vary out of the painted lines, the steering wheel lets you know that you are on the line or you cross the line. It doesn't want it, 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 it to let you change lanes without using a turn signal. I, I have to look for that. Where is that thing, right? Okay, no, it, it, it's that deal. And I'm telling you that God wants us. Long before lane guidance on cars, God had lane guidance for us, for His people. The, Joel is one of those lane guidance things. He wants us to get back into the right place. That's the hope. The only hope that we have is not to continue in our wayward path if we continue in our wayward path, like the car departing the, the lines, you will eventually end up in a ditch, in the woods, off the side of the road, off the hilltop, through the guardrail. None of those things are pretty. Walking without God in a wayward way is also not pretty. God wants us to be on the right path. And so that's why he gives us the prophecy. That's why he sends a Joel. He's not sending gloating over the victory that he's going to have. He's sending Joel to get the people right so that he doesn't have to march the army in for the judgment. God wants us to respond before the trumpet sounds, before the resurrection, before the end of the age in the in the consummation of God's victory over all that is evil. We want to be standing on the right side. So what does Joel say? He says simply, return to me. Return to me. It doesn't get any, any simpler than that. What God wants is for us to get back on the right path. What God wanted for His people at that time was to return to Him, to forsake the other gods, whatever it was that led them off the path to give that up and get back on the right path. Let's read it in the 12th verse. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning and rend your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, 
Assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance reproach. A byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Return to me. Rend your heart and not your garments. Do you understand that? God doesn't want you to, to do something on the outside to go through the motions. How many of you ever were, were, were drugged to church against your desires, right? You were, you were forced to come here. I know all of you are here today because you wanted to be, right? That's my desire. That's God's desire. Not that you came here out of habit. Not that you came here because, well, it's the only place I can go, so I might as well go there. Really. I mean, I don't want that to be the reason you're here. It could be. God wants your heart. He doesn't want your outside. He doesn't want you to clean up the outside and be full of dead man's bones inside. He wants you to be alive to Him. And so that's why Joel delivers this message, return to me, and, he, and he's Specific about this. Rend your heart. Just, just, just don't do it on the outside. You know, don't, don't put clean clothes when you need a shower. Right? It doesn't cover up the smell. Right? You know, you, you understand that. What we want to do is turn to God. Sanctify ourselves. To come before Him and ask for forgiveness. Joel encourages everybody to do that. The people to gather together. And I look around our world today, and our world needs a lot of returning to God. Again, I, I, can't, I can't make you do anything. I have to make that decision for myself. I'm going to give you this phrase. Seek God while He can be found. While it can be found. Because that's what Joel's message is. The day of the Lord is coming. Unless you return to Him. The day of the Lord is coming and it won't be pretty if you don't return him. Christ is coming back. The end that we read about in Revelation, the battle where the evil, the Antichrist, Satan, battle against. And remember, when we read through that, Satan thinks he's going to win. But Scripture tells us, and the truth is, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus, the Lamb, will stand victorious. God will stand victorious. And if we're on the wrong side of that, if we haven't sought out the grace, if we haven't returned to God and walked with Him and stayed in the lane that God has for us, the path that God has for us to walk in righteousness, 
It's not going to be pretty for us. That's why when I, I said Jesus quotes Joel chapter 2 in a couple of places, because he wants the people to understand that that day is coming. He has come. He is going to return again. And the second time when that happens, my understanding is the decision needed to be made before that occurred. The decision to repent needed to happen before the army marched on the walls of the city. Understand that? That's where you and I need to find ourselves. I said this last week, that we could, we could look around and point out other people who need to repent. I want you to look at your own life. Because the locust were a, was a warning shot to God's people at that time with the prophecy of something greater in the future. COVID may have been our, may be our warning shot. We've had other things that have been our warning shot to generation after generation. If we live with the expectancy that we talked about when we read in 1 Corinthians, that expectancy needs us to drive to seek Him out and to get things right. Let's pray. I'm going to give you the opportunity. And we're going to stand. We're going to, here, we're going to stand. You can sit and sing on your couch. But I want you to have that opportunity to respond. You may need to, to, to just say, God, what is it in my life? What area needs taken off? so that I can be where you need me to be. What do I need? To, like the lady on the, the mission story. God, what are you calling me to do? Where are you calling me to go? It may not be Africa, but it may be some family close. You may be their missionary. Maybe your own family. You need to be a missionary. We need to find out what it is that God has for us to do to serve His kingdom. You may want to join the church. We have one that's coming this morning. He's already filled out the paperwork, and we're going to do that after we get done with the song. But if you're so inclined, maybe you want to be baptized, you just let us know. If you're online and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and, and send that to the page. They'll tell me, and we'll announce it. Let's pray. Father, pray this morning, Lord, that Your Word would speak to us. Lord, we stand in not much different circumstances than the people that Joel is addressing. Things have not been normal for them. Things are not normal for us. The day of the Lord is coming, Father. What would you have us do? How can we, what do we need to do to return to you? What do we need to do to rend our hearts, to truly be your servant? to be obedient to you, to be that missionary to some family that, that might not be around the world, but might be around the corner, might be a phone call away, might be a door knock away. Father, just guide us to you, draw us to you, Lord. Help us to put aside those things that keep us from where you want us to be. Father, for those that do not know you today, Father, that, that those that do not know you, Savior, I pray that today, you would knock on that door. They would acknowledge their sin. 
and they would ask for forgiveness and call you Savior. In Jesus' name. Joseph, how he filled out the paper. Joe is what we call him by. And Joe comes to us from First Baptist out in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. He's come a long way. All right. So, you know, the attraction of our church, right? <laughs> we'll go with that. So Joe would like to become a member of our church. You are a believer. Okay. So what's the, the favor of the church? Okay. I got a second to that. Got a lot of firsts. Okay, everybody in favor of that? Give a big hand. You can clap at home. We welcome you. Now, normally we 
Normally we would all shake your hands. Okay, let's do this together, even at home. Stick your hand towards him, and he'll stick his hand. We're going to virtually shake. Okay, so you got the first virtual welcome uh, of fellowship, okay? <laughs> so it's a unique time in our church. So thank you guys for being here. The, the have you read, you want to put that on the screen. We're going to go through Acts 23 and 24, Psalms, Proverbs, and you get to finish up the book of Esther. And so read that. I also say in the Bible app, and we'll put these links in there, there was a, there was a link for Advent in there. So you can take a look at those. If you don't do the Bible app, they will be in tomorrow's email. All right. So again, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joe, for coming and being part of our church. All right.